It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Millie's Millie. All right, welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us on this uh, Tuesday. It's a Tuesday podcast. Yeah. Yeah, with the Celtics winning 112-104, beating the Brooklyn Nets here in the Boston Garden. And we're here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a uh, little news. Uh, some guy named Aaron Davis wants to be traded. Aaron uh, Davis? <laughs> Anthony Davis wants to be traded. And uh, I'm losing my Damn, I, I can already tell this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. Samuel Jamison Packard III. Jam. To my left, also known by some as Ladies Love Cool Jam. Jam. <laughs> All right, let's, um, let's just briefly talk about this game. Let me get the game out of the way. I know everybody wants to hear about Anthony Davis, but let's get the game out of the way so we can get into this Anthony Davis talk. Uh it, this game, to me, felt like we, we thought it might be a hangover game coming in. To me, it felt like a hangover game. Felt like they came out after that awesome game against the Warriors that, unfortunately, they couldn't win. But they came out, and it just they just didn't have it right away. Uh, and fortunately, they were able to come up with a ton of block shots, uh, Al Horford was was great. Uh, Jalen Brown stepped up late, and the Celtics were able to pull away uh, with this uh, with a win. Yeah, I mean the classic case of uh, Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines three point shooting their way to uh, to victory. This the zone. I mean the Nets came out and played zone pretty much the entire game, and in the first quarter the Celtics were shooting threes galore. I think they shot sixteen threes in that first quarter. Marcus Smart was out of his mind. Uh, I think it was four or five uh, in from deep that quarter. Baines had a number of uh, threes. He was actually only one of three, but scored seven points. Um, and they were kind of winning this game, and then uh, the third quarter happened, and they... D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo okay. Russell happened, and this, the Nets gave up, or the Celtics gave up 38 points in that third quarter. Um a bunch of offensive rebounds, points in the paint for the Nets. Uh, they really dominated that quarter. And then it seemed like this, the two things happened in the fourth quarter. The Celtics locked up defensively. They yep. forced six turnovers uh, pretty much early on and put the game. Uh, it was a one-point game, and they extended it to, I think, about a 12-point game, uh, basically by just not letting the Nets score. And then for some reason, um, D'Angelo Russell, who had just scored 14 points in the uh, third quarter, only played three minutes in the, and that was at the start of the fourth quarter, and didn't play the rest of the game. 
And for some reason, the Nets offense struggled after that. It was a, it was a confusing decision by Kenny Atkinson. He said, I think, described he was a he didn't like the way D'Angelo Russell was rebounding. Russell also was had two of those six turnovers, but it, the Celtics felt like they pretty much cruised after that. And then it was it was actually a lot of Jalen Brown playing well down the down the stretch that kind of put the game away. But it was that stretch to open the fourth quarter um, where the Celtics said no more offensive rebounds. Uh, no more easy baskets, and then that that's when they put the game away. Yeah, so here's from uh, Kenny Atkinson uh, saying about pulling D'Angelo Russell in the fourth. It was rebounding in the zone. Felt like there were a couple of rebounds he could have gotten in there. Uh, so teachable moment. Then we made some subs, and I thought the subs were playing good, so I kept it. I just kept it that way. Also in mind that we have another game tomorrow night. All of that played a factor. So he thought the bench was working, uh, and he he just made that decision, which great. And and Brad Stevens after the game, when he was asked about it, uh, he said that the difference between this game and the game where uh, D'Angelo went off on the Celtics he said he played twenty three minutes instead of whatever he played the last time. That was the difference in how they uh, got past this the this Nets team. For some reason, D'Angelo Russell loves third quarters against the Celtics, uh, but uh, they. Whatever it was, they locked up. This could have been a game that they let get away. They didn't. Uh, the The fourth quarter was I, – I, I was very impressed with Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter. Just Jalen Brown overall I thought had a really good game. Uh, 21 points tied with Marcus Smart for the lead. I think that Jalen Brown is, is doing something different. In transition, don't I, let Jalen Brown hear you say that. I he asked didn't. him about that afterwards. <laughs> and he in the game. did not want to hear it. Did he didn't not. even look you in the eye. He just looked straight ahead. He, exactly, that was exactly. And I was like, so so people could understand. There was like double barrel action, and Aaron Baines was talking. So I was recording that, and Jalen Brown was behind me talking to the other group of reporters. So I, when Baines was done, I just flipped around, and I because I asked Brad Stevens about that, and he kind of made a joke and kind of blew it off. I asked Jalen Brown about it. And he said, nope, there's no difference from earlier in the year. There's just more opportunity. And I think that's crap. I don't think that's true. Celtic Stats had a uh, good thing tweeted out tonight. It was like 20-point games for Jalen in the first uh, 20 games of the season, zero. In his like last 19 games, nine. Like, yeah. It's clearly something different. I understand the hand injury, but it just feels like he he was actually homicidal Jalen tonight. Uh, he d- went for that crazy dunk, but it just feels like his aggressiveness and his ability to finish has been greatly increased. And those things do make sense with uh, getting a healthier hand. But uh, Sure. But my point is with Jalen Brown is that I felt like earlier earlier in the year he was going straight at guys. How many times have I said on this podcast he's the pitcher with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that doesn't move, and if you time it right, you can hit it out of the park. He kept getting blocked at the rim. He kept having trouble finishing at the rim because guys could jump, principle of verticality, challenge him at the rim. They wouldn't draw fouls. Now, tonight especially, there were at least two, maybe three different instances where he kind of Euro-stepped his way towards the rim, didn't he, he changed his speed? He changed his approach angle. He changed. He just had a different feel to how he was finishing. So he was still aggressive. It's just how he finished. There was a little more craftiness. He, to had, it. he had a euro step dunk tonight, which is not yes. normally something you see. But he did it uh, and That's pulled it off point. smoothly. And I thought he also did a great job in the zone, like the guy on the weak side corner was pretty much free, to, and I think that's why the Celtics got a lot of rebounds, but he had three uh, offensive rebounds there in the fourth quarter. I thought he just did a good job of decision-making, 
um, knowing when to cut into the basket like and kind of get there, but also knowing when to stay in the corner for open shots. So he knocked down his uh, his threes tonight. I think he was at least two of three in the second half. He's just It seems like his shooting is uh, a lot more fluid right now, yep. and he's clearly playing better. But, it, um, I mean, we've, we've given him a bunch of credit tonight, but there's... It was, a, it was a team performance. Six different guys in double figures. Uh, Al Horford, you mentioned him a bit, but Baines shooting well, Smart shooting well. Terry Rozier, um, I thought, had a pretty decent game in terms of just points and distribution. He had seven assists. Most of those come in the first half, but I thought he had a pretty solid game. Um, but it was just, a, it was a, other than Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward, it felt like everyone on the Celtics' main rotation uh, played well tonight. Yeah, I don't know. Jason Tatum was weird. Uh, it just it just wasn't there. It just felt like he wasn't in the game. Yeah, it just it felt like just a very off night for him. So I don't know. There there are people who are on Twitter who who are like saying, uh, what, "What's going on with him? He's he." I don't think this this type of performance has has been regular for him. I feel like he's been doing a lot. He's been doing a lot better lately, um, so I'm not. This is one where I'm willing to kind of just chalk it up. Gordon Hayward, I heard that there was some guy behind me, behind you. <laughs> there was some guy was directly, directly behind, behind me. Who he was, was loud the entire he was, evening. He was angry. He was angry. Get him out of here! Oh my god, uh, he I stinks. Get I get it. This is the second second straight bad shooting night. I will say that Gordon Hayward was also a plus eleven. He was great defensively. I thought he made great defensive plays. I thought distributed to Jalen, distributed to Jason, got like some nice points. He is clearly a very good defender and smart player. Knows where he's gone. Bob, like I agree with you. What you said yesterday. It feels like a, a kind of a mental block right now. And after the game, he talked about like the frustration. He he's accepted all of the Brad Stevens talking points about like it's a bad game. You got to just get move past it, and then. Uh, uh, if it's a good game, you just got to keep going, do the same approach. But he's clearly frustrated because he, absolutely this is worst stretch I would presume of his basketball career. Absolutely, and it's kind of funny because he was asked about this: Have you ever gone through anything like this before? And he paused. And he was like, "What do you mean?" Like I feel like he wanted to turn to the guy and say, uh, "You mean with my foot on sideways and trying to come back from that?" No, but he kind of kept himself together. But that long pause, I think, said a lot. I am still team patience with Gordon Hayward, and I know a lot of people, seems like every day I hear just a little bit more, a little bit more, there are people who are getting frustrated with Gordon Hayward. Especially the man right behind me. <laughs> Especially him. Alex Kungu made a point on Twitter. It's a very good point. He uh, does that. People, He does make very, very many good points. He said, and I'm paraphrasing from memory, Something to the effect of people are taking Gordon Hayward's bad game against the Warriors as a negative. And I can understand that part of it. This is me saying this. I can understand that part of it because people will say, well, if Gordon Hayward had played well, we would have beaten the Warriors. That's Okay, fine. I'll give you that. But what Alex was saying is think about the fact that the Celtics went toe-to-toe with the Warriors had a tie game with less than a minute left, an opportunity to get that offensive, that that defensive rebound on a free throw, and that had nothing to do with Gordon Hayward. And yeah, think about what happens when he starts coming back and like playing consistently. That's the point. And even just he doesn't need to be the Gordon Hayward of old scoring twenty five. He needs to score twelve a game, and that's a huge impact just with his defense and his playmaking. He just needs to be slightly dangerous. So I think that's actually. That's definitely the optimistic perspective, but I think it's the correct one in saying they're already at this level. Imagine what, like, when he becomes more consistent, where they can be. 
my, I will acknowledge that you just don't know. Nobody knows. And whether you have a positive take or a negative take just depends on the things that you're seeing out there. I have a positive take in that I've seen him be more athletic. I've seen him go out there and run faster than he has in the past and jump higher than he has in the past. I haven't seen him put it all together very often unless he's playing the Timberwolves. So um, that's why I keep saying it's a mental thing. And there's just no, there's just no timetable for that. It, it, as I've said multiple times, it could come back tomorrow. It could never come back. We don't know. But you just got to wait with the mental aspect of it and, and see, if, see if he can get past it. That's all you can do. He has to keep playing. Brad Stevens said he's going to keep playing. He's certainly not going to Portland. He's not going to go play for the Red Claws. That's not going to happen. They yeah, who would have, ever suggest that? <laughs> no one should ever suggest that. The, um, the Celtics never practice because they play every other day right now, so he can't work it out in practice. This is it. This is what the Celtics have. Work it out in the games, and he's trying to. So I understand the frustration, but this is part of the process. And who cares right now if you lose a few games? Maybe you're worried about the seeding, but if the Celtics can get to where they think they can get, the seeding won't matter. If they can get get Gordon Hayward to the point where they think he can be at the end of April, then the seeding won't matter because that Gordon Hayward should be very different from this. If he's not, then he's not, and it sucks, and that, that's going to be a problem. If he never gets back to what he was, then that's going to be a problem. But for now, this is still in the process of him trying to figure it out. And I'm not going to give up on that until next season. Uh, he needs to get through this entire season, even if it takes the playoff run. Next season, if he comes back and he's this guy, then, then we know. Assuming there's no other setback, but if he comes back next season and is this guy, then that's that's the shame of it. Then the injury has taken its toll. All right, I think we've exhausted topics on this game. We're going to come back and we're going to start talking about Anthony Davis and his trade requests. Stick around. By the way, if you've got a smart speaker, you can play it. You can use it to play our podcast. So go ahead and wake it up and say, hey, whatever, play podcast Locked on Celtics. Stick around. We're coming right back. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, if I woke up at 9.15 this morning, or yeah, Monday morning, and my, I, I don't want to pull a Bill Simmons, but the Mass Live Slack was going nuts. Uh, but Is that just you and Tom? <laughs> it's me, Tom, and our editor, and a couple other people. So the, um, the news of Anthony Davis requesting a trade has kind of sent shockwaves throughout. I was blindsided by the news. I was yes. shocked to hear that Anthony Davis wanted to leave the New Orleans Pelicans. It's unbelievable, right? frankly, I thought he was happy there. I thought he was happy being it's, on a, a bad team with a contract vicious. situation like coming up. The out. ripple effect of this news, the shocking, un, unexpected breaking news. So, okay, so first of all, before we continue, we're being joined here, an impromptu... Uh, this is actually happening. Jared Weiss of The Athletic, who is not Jay King, but not many people are. I mean, someone from The Athletic has to show up for it to be the it's, Right, right. It's a, you started with a J, so I feel like it, it's, it's seamless. It's insufficient, but it works. Yeah, as long as there's a J. You don't even really have to be a J, because, <laughs> because J's not really a J. And uh, you. What are you talking about? <laughs> we have I mean, multiple nicknames calling me Jam. <laughs> So, all right, so the, the thing about this is obviously that it, it hurts the Celtics in the sense that they were hoping that this would just at least be pushed into the summer before the official trade request happened. Like, we knew the, it was coming. They hoped it would be pushed into the summer. Now it is 10 days of sweating and hoping that the Los Angeles Lakers cannot pull off a trade in this 10 days. Because every all logic points to the Pelicans. If you want to make the best trade possible, you wait till the Celtics can do it. And the Celtics can't trade Kyrie until July 1st when he resigns. Everything we've talked about for months and months. But now it's official. AD has made his request. And now it's 10 days of basically maybe wondering if there actually a trade goes through. But logically, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me completely biased Celtics fan who don't doesn't want him to be traded to the Lakers <laughs> but um it just if you're a team like with all your leverage like why I don't understand why the Pelicans would do it I don't get it either I, I think this came out just now because clutch sports wanted to get it out there I think it was also to be nice to the Pelicans is like hey Pelicans do not make a dumb trade to mortgage your future to try and get like I think another person into this like like we're not planning like just so you know, going forward, don't try to bring in a piece to make a pu- uh, push for the eighth seed. So I think there's part of that in there, but I mean, there it, 
the thing that could really mess with the Celtics if it's AD comes out in the next 10 days and says, I'm only re-signing with the Lakers. Then there's a potential where a deal could get done now. But other than that, the Celtics can still say, hey, we might give you Jason Tatum in July. And so the Pelicans, if they're smart, will wait around and say, um, let's, let's see what happens with this and let's see who wins the lottery. Yeah, and Jared, by the way, I, I see it. I see it as that. You're right. First, first time caller, long time listener, long time sitter in the background. Uh, this is Rich Paul's way of saying, "Hey guys, we you know we love you so much, New Orleans. So we're going to let you know that this you guys should get a head start. By the way, we have this wonderful team in Los Angeles that'd be happy to jump on the phone with. And the Pelicans are pissed. They sent out that scathing thing that the the league must investigate tampering at like, and the league saying we're looking into it. Um, there's definitely some tampering going on, but it's like Rich Paul is best friends with LeBron James, so I don't know what you can really do about it. Magic Johnson does have a history of going on like late night talk shows, yeah, doing wink, wink. but it's not that bad. But I mean, maybe that's a good thing for the Celtics. Maybe the Pelicans are pissed off and like really determined not to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. The other thing I was thinking about is like when's the last time a star was traded in it, the same conference? Paul George switched conferences. Jimmy Butler switched conferences twice. Yeah, but I, I don't. Any Celtics that have done that recently? Uh, traded in conference. Hmm. Mm. That's mm. a good point, Jared. I can't think of <laughs> anyone. <laughs> well, I think when you're the Pelicans, it doesn't matter who you, you trade Anthony Davis to because you're you're resetting. And you can't sit there and be like, oh, we don't want to see Anthony Davis come into our house with another uniform four times a year. What, that doesn't matter. You take the best deal that you can get, which is why they should wait. To your point, the point that's been made all over the place, wait until the draft lottery has determined who's got the first overall pick. Maybe if the Knicks, now I'd hate to see him go to the Knicks, but maybe they do value the Knicks assets. If if one of those assets is the uh, potential to draft Zion Williamson, and then you say, well, Zion plus Porzingis really, really moves the needle for us. Even if it's just for them to say, that's going to put butts in the seats next season, that has value to the Pelicans because if they screw this up, they'll be the Seattle Sonics in a heartbeat or whatever. They're, going to, they're not going to survive in New Orleans. They have a hard enough time as it is with Anthony Davis. So The other angle on this that I thought was interesting and somewhat laughable is their story that comes out that I think it was Chris Haynes and Yahoo saying the Celtics are not on uh, like a preferred team because there is doubt from sources saying there's doubt that Kyrie Irving is going to re-sign with the Celtics. And it read to me as sources who are very interested in Kyrie Irving not re-signing with the Celtics <laughs> have, have uh, are determined that there's a, a, a bubbling belief that he might not re-sign with the Celtics. And I get it that Kyrie is unpredictable and he could change his mind at any time, but the man unprompted by anyone announced to see like everyone that he was going to resign he's making commercials about how he's going to be the final 11 here he's constantly it just doesn't make any sense to me where this is coming from it's just like oh so the knicks are telling you that they think they can resign to kyrie irving it's like that it it was that was frankly the most absurd part of the whole reporting well i think the flaw in in that logic there i mean i don't doubt i don't doubt chris's sourcing and it is true that there has been increasing skepticism about whether Kyrie's going to resign. With Wishful skepticism. I mean, I've been hearing it as well, but it's not like, it, I think it's still like 80% chance that Kyrie stays here. But the thing is, if AD gets traded here, Kyrie is not going to go to the Knicks. He's not going to leave. He's going to stay. And 
the logical fallacy to that argument is that if Ky if Kyrie uh, for an AD trade to happen, Kyrie needs to already be re-signed. Right. If that happens in the summer, I guess the caveat there could be that they agree to the trade on draft night, not knowing whether or not Kyrie is going to commit. But come on, we know that Kyrie and AD are going to talk if that's happening. The the Boston Celtics will not execute a trade for Anthony Davis without thinking they're going to re-sign Kyrie Irving. And they, Anthony Davis. Right. And but Anthony Davis is, is only going to be there if they re-sign Kyrie Irving. Right. On draft night, if we get to draft night, the way the Celtics scenario plays out is they agree on draft night or before draft night that they they have a deal in place for Anthony Davis, which means they have to then make picks for the New Orleans Pelicans and then trade those picks. That all has to be in place before draft night. So if that happens, they will have been in contact with Kyrie Irving, his representation. You're signing here, right? This is the deal. July 1st, like as soon as you can sign, it's announced. Like once the moratorium is over, you're going to sign. And then once that happens, we execute this trade. That's Those are the dominoes that are going to fall. So if Anthony Davis is saying, well, I'm not sure he's going to resign, Danny Inch could look at him in the eye and be like, he's resigning. And that's it. Like that's, that's the end of the story. So that's posturing and wishful thinking. And that's Clutch Sports trying to create enough public doubt that makes it seem like uh, the Lakers are the best destination. We take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up the Anthony Davis discussion here on the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. But back here to wrap up the Anthony Davis discussion. Sorry for people who are thinking that there's going to be a ton of Brooklyn Nets talk. There's just, who cares? You missed it. You missed it. Are you, oh, I've, I've got takes on Karooks. And, uh, oh, my God, Mitchie we'll Creek. We'll Mitchie Creek. <laughs> we'll still end on a junk drawer. We'll make sure that there's a junk drawer at the end. But let's, let's wrap this up by just the whatever happens – they, they have to, the Pelicans, they, they just have to wait until the summer or at least wait till. Well, what if they get really tempted in the next 10 days by Zubach, Lonzo Ball, and Kyle Kuzma? I mean, so here's the point here's I want to make. <laughs> Zubach? <laughs> I've been calling him Zubaz just because that's fun for me, but. That's the, the thing I just don't the get. Zubaz like the pants, those striped pants that the yeah. bodybuilders used to wear. Yeah, the Gronk uh, wears them a lot. Yeah, I have some yeah, Zubaz yeah, yeah. shorts as well. <laughs> exactly. It looked like <laughs> it looks like fruit striped gum, but it was like plastered onto some shorts. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like that's the thing. That's the next ten days the Celtics have to worry about is that the Pelicans really want Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Kyle Kuzma, and like I think the Lakers would have to involve all three of those guys to even get close. This is just me speculating. Like maybe they do it for Zubaz in a set and a first and like two of those guys. But that just, it doesn't make any sense to me when the possibility, even just the possibility of Jason Tatum is out there. It doesn't make sense that Anthony Davis would look at that situation and say, oh, okay, I'm going to go to the Lakers. They're going to give away all of their good young players. It's going to be well, I think me and Davis LeBron. would be fine with it. With oh, yeah. all the cap space? Him and LeBron and $30 million in cap space. Josh Hart's pretty decent. Lance Stevenson's a guy. He's a guy. 
He's a guy. If Anthony Davis is sitting there saying, oh, legacy, my legacy is so important, is he going to force his way to the Lakers for that deal? No, he's not. You can't, you can't force that. Even if he wants to play for the Lakers, you, you have to wait and see and then say, okay, now once the, everything's set up and the, the, the draft picks are set, then you say, okay, power play, I'm only, I'm only going to re-sign with the Lakers. Then you at least let New Orleans craft a three-team deal or something where they Lon- can- Lonzo did come out today and say if he is traded, he'd like to go to a third team without an established point guard. So I like that Lonzo has that much sway in his brief career where he's done yeah. nothing. Right. He's he's really torn up the league to a point where he's got he's got that kind of pull. He's a big baller. I think he's been pretty good. For one, that was Lavar. I mean, I assume it was Lavar. It's actually technically technically it's the agent who speaks for them. But I thought it was Lamelo. That's true. <laughs> oh, we know Lamelo has a pull. The thing is. The Lakers with AD and LeBron can have any free agent they want. They can use. I think they'll have the full MLE if they're able to fill up their roster again for next year. Mid level so exception. Like Mid level exception. They'll be able to very sensually sign someone for a nine million dollar. So they'll be able to get like a solid starter. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a problem of like that Lakers team would be bad. I think that's a problem of the Pelicans would be a terrible return. Uh. I think that's the biggest issue with taking that deal right now. Well, I've heard this argument that, like, why would the Pelicans take that deal because they just be the Lakers? They'd be the Lakers, but that team would continue to grow. Like, all those guys are in their early 20s. Like, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are going to be good players. Kyle Kuzma can score, clearly score 20. I mean, these guys are going to continue to evolve. You know, the the, thing, the big problem for the Lakers has been that Brandon Ingram came into the season as a as pretty much on a similar level to where Tatum is valued as a prospect. And this year has just been kind of a mess and teams are not valuing him at that level. I think that's the big, you know, people tend to overblow the whole, like, the Celtics have Tatum thing. And I think in this case, with the way that the season's gone for Ingram, that actually does hold true, and that's the big leverage that Boston has. Yeah, I mean, look, Boston can put Tatum on the table and say, and, and that's their trump card. They don't, I'm sure they'd love to find a way to keep him. But uh, I, I think, obviously, from a Boston perspective, the, the Celtics can offer a package that when they bring Anthony Davis to Boston, he shows up and they have Kyrie Irving and they have Al Horford and I would assume they re-sign Marcus Morris. And, and of course, Yabu is the key thing here. Thank you. And the uh, Time Lord, although he'll probably get traded. He'll probably he get rocks. traded. Um, you know, and he, he, I'm sure he'd love to. He gets to go home. It was kind of BS. Is it was a game against the Nets, and the Time Lord didn't get any minutes. Well, that's because they didn't get enough separation. That's true, but you could. I'm you sure could. in another dimension he dropped 20 and 10. And in a two three zone, I feel like he could just dunk all over it. I don't even know if that basketball makes sense, but it made sense in my head. <laughs> and it's getting a little loopy, and I know we got to wrap up soon. And I'm I got a full junk drawer tonight. Okay. Hit me with the junk drawer. We'll talk a lot more about the Davis stuff. Oh, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it the rest of the week and yes. all 10 days up until the trading deadline. Sure. So, okay, junk drawer, and let's get out of here. Okay, B-R-K-L-Y-N. No, there's not even an R. Just B-K-L-Y-N. It's the most unnecessary abbreviation. One, there's no R. That's Jared's main point. That really emphasizes it. But why? Just write Brooklyn on the on the front of your jersey. We're trying to be hip. It's, it's stupid. I, I can only say... Because I've lived in New York, that is an actual abbreviation that they use in the borough of Brooklyn. Well, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense, damn it. <laughs> it's objectively wrong. 
It's it's stupid. Okay, he's Krause is answering a phone call, so I'm going to be the new host of the show. So here's the problem: this is we we got to talk about the real issues, you know, the real MB issues. Brooklyn, what is more essential to giving me the sound of the name? Is the r or the i at the end? I think you can go b r. KLN, and you still have that assumption of the uh, at the end. I just don't think it needs to be abbreviated. I know they're trying to be cool, but I agree with you. Both things are flawed. But we gotta we gotta wrap up soon, so I'm just gonna you react to everything I'm throwing out there. <laughs> there was a lady who showed up about with two minutes left in the first quarter with a giant mink coat on. What's the deal with that? Fashionably late, fashionably beautiful. Uh, I'm gonna say Jay King is a bully during the pregame. He just kind of uh, I was sitting there doing my work on my computer. He just ran up to me. Poked me in the stomach and just said, "You just got stunned," or st- I just gave you a stinger, and it was like the most like amateur bully thing he's ever done to me. So I had to get him back in the middle of the game. Clearly, clearly, Jay has grown up with a bunch of roughhousing brothers. Oh yes, it's brothers, and in high school he was a bully. Uh, had you ever heard of Mitchell Creek before this game? No, that was a made-up thing. Apparently, he he's a real- great player for the Long Island Nets. Apparently, he's Australian. <laughs> we have a bunch of Australian fans saying, "Stop bashing Mitchell Creek." He was fantastic. He was the only Nets player that finished. Uh, in a positive plus minus, so shouts to Mitchie Creeks. Um, for some reason, when they're doing the defense chant tonight, there's a very loud bass drum that was very startling, and they never turned it down. Uh, I didn't care for it. Um, Gordon, everyone was bleeding tonight. <laughs> What's the deal with the bloody basketball players? The best part was Hayward started bleeding, and I tweeted out, use a Band-Aid, you coward. And then it was like <laughs> Celtics Twitter, uh, or the Twitter account said, Gordon Hayward needs two stitches. <laughs> I think I tweeted out like Gordon Hayward parentheses blood everywhere turned the locker room and then exact same tweet word for word for Marcus Smart and then and Marcus, then Mark, Mark, Marcus Morris, Morris it was just bloody it's like someone on the net says like bad fingernails it was it was kind of creepy well someone tweeted to me that I think it was Rodion Kuruks has the cocaine fingernail going there with the pink ooh uh, Kuruks you don't know what's gonna happen with him he I mean, had one play where he missed the layup but he exploded to the basket with a behind the back dribble I, I love that Kourouks. was beautiful transition play from a tall. I was going to say Scandinavian. I have no idea where he's from, but either way, beautiful stuff. Oh, that, so this was Military Appreciation Night, and I just feel like the um, the title Petty Officer. This feels demeaning as hell. <laughs> but what kind of? I, I want to see a Petty Officer who's very stoic. Doesn't doesn't worry about the small stuff. Control what you can control, as Brad Seaman. Exactly. I think Aaron Baines had the most athletic putback of all time tonight, or the most athletic thing I've seen him do. Just came flying in, somehow managed to get it back, and it went in. Um, so he gets a shout-out for that. There was a fan tonight wearing a hoodie. It was a Jameson uh, whiskey brand hoodie, and he was wearing it with no undershirt and a lot of chest hair just flowing out. And I just think he needs respect for kind of walking out of the house like that. I don't know if you uh, saw him in the media section. Jameson put some hair on his chest apparently tonight. Um, Lucky went to an army dog training place and was wearing a, a shirt that said Ray Allen on it. And then that he was got tackled by a dog. And it's like, I think it was just the name of like the, the gear company was Ray Allen. But it was just like, but is this subtweeting? Like, what's going on here? What's more, what would be more funny? That they put him to get mauled by a dog in a shirt that says Ray Allen, or that Ray Allen's post career business <laughs> is making dog, dog trading outfits. <laughs> Either one works for me. Um, Al Horford got a tech tonight. Big mad. I just like seeing him mad. It's fantastic. He actually felt like he played a little bit angrier after that, and it was, uh, it was quite effective. And so, shouts to Bill Al Horford for getting a technical. Multiple f bombs on that one. He's yeah. Like, Fucking right to it, the ref. It was Fucking the angriest right. I've ever seen him. Um, we need to talk about a problem. Many people tweeted at this tonight, but without Lucky, the JetBlue flight crew is lost out there. 
I'm going to tell you, Miss Dunks galore. This is the second night in a row, and it's uh, it's frankly, I don't like it. I was told the shutdown ended, but clearly the air traffic controllers are not on Ooh. their game at the Garden. Yeah, well, I and I've been one of the biggest lucky uh, critics out there, but clearly the team is falling apart without him. <laughs> this is an area of basketball criticism that is completely untouched at this point. You could uh, be a pioneer. You could get this. Could be your Pulitzer. This is pretty much my brand is mid-game entertainment in Al Horford's <laughs> eyes. Uh, there is a fan out there wearing a full camo Celtic sweatsuit. I just thought that was kind of a weird thing to own. I don't know. I, I didn't even see him. I, it was uh, all the things. And then camo. to wrap it up, we're gonna. Um, Brad Stevens did a lot of yelling with the uh, uh, with the refs with his hands up tonight. Mad Brad calling a timeout up fifteen with three minutes to play. I thought that was it was just a bad offensive possession. He said he didn't want to see it anymore. Um, and so I thought Brad had a great performance tonight. Also got some jokes off in the post game. Uh, Calling uh, Baines and Smarf the uh, the Splash Brothers, making fun of how they never practice. I thought Brad was just on top of his game tonight. That practice riff, wow! I mean, full. He could feel the sarcasm, and he kept it going until he finished, and then he cut out of it. Yeah, I mean, he was he was delivering material tonight. He's got a tight five ready, I think. I think he's really improved because he was not the type of guy who delivered jokes like that uh, to start his career, but now he's now he's pretty full fully comfortable. SJM sifts through all his paperwork trying to find the quote sheet for Brad. Oh Stevens. no, it's not the quote sheet. I'm trying to here. I'm trying to wrap it up here. Um, that's the junk drawer. Any other um, junk based observations from tonight's uh, Celtics Knicks Nets uh, game? Brad Wanamaker's wife, who sits right behind us uh, in press row, was just going off tonight. That was always everyone directly behind us was going directly off. Yeah. A vocal vocal row right behind the there, media section. There was some fan who was just kind of like. Yelling, but not like screaming. He was yelling loud enough to make sure everyone around him. Here, he looked. It sounded like not. he was yelling to us. Yeah, pretty much to us. And he was just basically he just wanted Gordon Hayward to retire during. Oh, the we game. mentioned we mentioned him he in the first himself segment. Like halfway, he introduced himself to me as a fan halfway through, and just basically wanted me to tell Gordon Hayward that he sucks and should probably retire. So, so you told him, hey, Gordon, just so you know, you suck and you should retire from that According fan to that guy that was right behind me. All right, that is, uh, I think, where we wrap it up. The Celtics win. 112 to 104 against the Brooklyn Nets. They take on the Charlotte Hornets Wednesday at home. Uh, thank you to Jared Weiss from The Athletic for joining us here on the post game podcast. Uh, please rate, listen, subscribe to all the podcasts, Mumbo Jumbo and Lingo. Uh, this has been another episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.